The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Good morning, Mahai, and welcome to Sharing Our Stories. My name is Slim, along with Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. And if you are just joining us for the first time this morning, this is the first time you're tuning in and catching us as we kick it off here. Sharing Our Stories is a program about addiction and recovery. The people in this room have dealt with addiction and we have found our recovery. And we believe that through sharing our stories, we can help some people out there, hopefully, find the pathway to their recovery. There is no one way that is the only way to find your recovery from addiction to drugs and or alcohol. And we want to just give you that hope, that strength that you can find the pathway that works for yourself. So thank you for tuning in this morning. We have a great guest who is here and she is going to be speaking about her addiction and her pathway to recovery and where she's at in her life now. So I think you're going to enjoy this program. You're going to want to share this program. And whether you're dealing with addiction yourself or maybe you have a friend or a family member, maybe this program will help you to understand them and what they're going through. So Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. Tribe Recovery Homes is an organization that helps people in the mile high with their recovery. Tomas, good morning. Happy Sunday to you. Thank you once again for uh, all you do in our community. Tell everybody a little bit about Tribe. Hey, everybody. I'm Tomas Hernandez. I am the executive director and founder of Tribe Recovery Homes. Tribe Recovery Homes is on 1178 Mariposa Street down off uh, downtown Westside, right in front of La Alma Park. We are a treatment provider for people that are offended in the judicial system and actually, you know, for everybody. It's a Medicaid track. We have an inpatient and we have an outpatient programming navigation and coaching, reentry, and we are doing our part for people that get themselves in trouble. So, you know, basically if you uh, got a ticket or you've done drugs, you've done alcohol, you get a ticket, you come to try. When we get you through the fog, we make sure that we can get you back uh, your life together, get back to your families and or reestablish family through recovery and mental health. You can reach us at www.triberecoveryhomes.com. And there's an application on there for the inpatient and outpatient. We have DUI classes, array of things, residential treatment, PHP, which is partial hospitalization, inpatient model. And we also have recovery coaching and job skills. If we are not a fit for you, we will definitely do our best to get you to a community partner out there. We got a lot that we'd like to give a shout out to, like Second Chance Center, Hazelbrook Sober Living, Aurora Sober Living, Servicios de la Raza, just to name a few. Lifeline with Leo, Lirez, all of them, great, great community partners. So as you can see, we lock arms, we go hand in hand with the neighborhood, and we make sure that your loved one, you or yourself, or just a friend or somebody that you met that just you know that really needs help, give us a call. You can call us at 720-60-TRIBE. That's 720-608-7423. And yeah, I hope everybody's doing well this morning, and I'm going to hand that right back over to, to Slim here. 
I want to thank our friends at Step Denver because they're a great organization too. Stout Street also. There's just a lot of wonderful organizations throughout Colorado and throughout the the country that help people find their recovery. Also want to give a shout out to everybody that's listening to us that is incarcerated at this time and you're you're sitting there and you're wondering what you're going to do with your life next. Give a call to Tribe because I know Tomas would love to put you in the hands of some of the people that he's got working for him and help you on your path when you get out of there because we want to see you not go back. That's the main thing. Mm. This morning, we welcome Mariana from Loveland to the building. Mariana is going to be our speaker here on sharing our stories and she's going to tell us about what she's been through and where she is now in her life. And we thank her for coming in this morning and many, many blessings on this Sunday tour because it's not an easy thing to come on in here and put your life out there in front of everybody. But we do believe that Her story, just like so many others, is a story that we can all relate to in some way and is something that can help at least one person out there. And that is our our goal here at Sharing Our Stories. If we can just reach one person who says, you know what, I need to make a change, then this program is highly, highly successful. So happy Sunday to everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And we're going to pass this on to our guest, Mariana from Loveland. Thank you so much for being here and good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. So like you mentioned, my name is Mariana. I am born and raised in Loveland, Colorado. I currently reside in Brighton with my husband and my two children. So a little bit about my story. So I was born into a a really good family and both my parents in the home I uh, have an older brother and a younger sister. We grew up going back and forth to Mexico and and family trips and just all-American family is how I saw it. Our father, he had a little side hustle going on most of our childhood and that landed him in, in prison a couple times. And so we had to grow up with that. And it was something difficult, but it was normal in our family because mom knew how to pick up the pieces and carry on while he was incarcerated. And, and it was just something that we, we dealt with as a family. I had a lot of insecurities growing up and always wanted to fit in somewhere with anybody really. And I got caught up with the crowd in high school that we smoked marijuana together and had a good time, you know, and eventually I had dropped out of high school and my dad gave me the ultimatum, you go to work or you go back to school. So I went and got my first job at 16 years old and And I did that for a while. And that's where I was introduced to a friend who got me into meth for the first time and did that. And luckily, I I was able to to come out of that. Ended up meeting a a really a great person who helped me come out of it and made me graduate high school. And and so my life was good for a while. And then tragedy struck again. My mom decided after 23 years, she wasn't happy in her marriage and my parents got divorced and that kind of threw us for a loop because it was out of left field. So we went through that and my sister and I, we, we've been very close our whole lives. We were very close our whole lives and she was my partner in crime. We started partying together and, you know, running around and just messing around with the wrong people again. And my dad ended up going to prison for the last time when I was 20. He got caught up selling drugs and we were adults by this time. You know, my brother was... 22, I was 20, and 
My sister was 18. We had a really nice house in Johnstown that we had to get rid of because my dad just wasn't there anymore. The foundation in our lives that led us into a spiral, a downward spiral of drinking and not knowing what we were going to do. Fast forward, I started working in Estes Park. I was a waitress out there for for about five years and and I met a lot of great people. I had a great time up there and was sober, was doing the best for myself. And and then again, the insecurity of myself and, and just wanting acceptance and love. And I fell into a bad relationship and he was using drugs. And I was able to abstain for quite some time until one day the curiosity killed me and I, I fell into it. And that was the first time that I had used heroin and just... Didn't realize it then, but it was a downward spiral. It doesn't take long for addiction to set in. And I went back to work and I I didn't have any more. And that was the first time I had become dope sick. And I guess I didn't realize that it was going to be what it ended up being. So that person that I thought I was so madly in love with decided that they were done with drugs and went off to a rehab in Mexico and left me with all the numbers of the dealers. And that led me on a about a six-year run with addiction. I forgot to mention that actually in 2011, before my dad had gone to, to prison, oh no, this is after, so about two months after, I was drinking and driving. And this is where my first case came into play. And it was actually a significant event. We were driving home from Denver and I crashed into a brick wall. One of the people I was with broke his arm. So I had gotten charged with vehicular assault. I was given a two-year deferred sentence and I didn't complete it because, you know, I had other priorities at the time. So two years probation turned into two years probation, turned into two years probation. And finally, in 2019, I was sentenced to DOC and I had already been a heroin addict So, you know, my family was praying that this was going to be it. Like, hey, you know, she's going to be sentenced to prison and this is a good thing. And even I was like, you know, this is a good thing. I had my son. He was two years old at the time. And I went to prison. I went, I did ended up doing six months for that. I got out and didn't have a plan. So I went straight back to what I knew. I went back to the drugs and didn't care for my son, running the streets Again, catching cases, in and out of jail. And this whole time, I have a two-year-old son who my mom is taking care of, living in and out of my grandma's house and just doing the most, hurting family and just not caring about anybody but myself. So in 2019, I was living at grandma's house. I had several overdoses. I was working at 7-Eleven, which was probably not the best place to be working at as an addict who's wanting to find that sobriety. So while I'm on parole, my parole officer gave me another ultimatum. You go to IRT, which is a treatment program, or I'm going to put you in jail again. So I went to IRT and I failed that program. And I came out and my mom and my stepdad were like, you're done. You can't go back to grandma's. You can't come back to our house. So I ended up being homeless for for some time just lost just completely lost moved to texas thinking that was gonna help and and no it didn't help and then covid happened and i just always remember fighting for that sobriety you know just just in the back of my head thinking this there's got to be more to life than this 
and this sucks, you know? Like I, I had these aspirations as a child that now have, who knows what they are now? Like I had no guidance in my life and no purpose in my life, no meaning. And it sucked, honestly. It just, it was the worst. I was thieving. And this whole time I had my sister by me. She's my younger sister and I had her doing the same thing, you know, teaching my sister this this way of life and bringing her into this traumatic life. And she ended up on the same path I did. And it's something that I, I feel guilty for, but it's something that happened. And through this whole time, my grandma and my mother prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle. And and it just, it seemed like it was never going to happen. So 2021, I started going to church and I was going to church higher than a kite every, every Sunday, but I was faithfully going to church. <laughs> and And it was always like, I got to get sober before dad gets out. He ended up getting an 18 year sentence in 2011. So he's in prison this whole time. Every year that he was locked up, it was like this year, this year is going to be the year I'm going to get sober for dad and make sure that I'm sober by the time he gets out. And 2020, it was, he's got one more year. I've got one more year. I've got to get sober. It never happened. And dad got home March of 2021. And I was still, still running amok, doing the most. And it took that one time I was going to a concert, a Christian concert, mind you. I told my mom that morning I had a dentist appointment. My poor mother, man, God bless her. She she went through it with me. She picked me up from the dentist appointment and I was like, mom, run me here real quick. Run me here. And she already knew like, oh my God, I'm not doing this with you no more. Like I'm tired. And my son's in the back seat crying his eyes out and just mommy, please. And and I'm sweating because I, I need to, to get what I got to get and... There was a song playing on the radio I'll, I'll never forget. And and I was just crying, just like, man, this, this, I'm tired. I am so, so tired. And that was the day I told my mom, you know, this is the day. This is the day that that's going to change. And she had heard it before over and over again, countless times. So she's like, yeah, okay, okay, we'll see. And it ended up being the day I, I went to this concert and they did an altar call. And I ran up. I, I think I sprinted up there. And I and I, I told the guy that was doing the altar call, like, I'm a heroin addict. I'm tired and I need change. And he prayed for me. And man, it wasn't easy. That night I went home. I was laying in bed and tossing and turning. And, and just I had a number of a friend, a guy that I met at church. And I called him at like two in the morning. And I told him, I can't do it. I thought I could do it, but I can't do it. And uh, I'll never forget. He was like, I'm going to go to your house. I'm driving over there right now. I'm just going to sit outside your house. I'm just going to sit outside and make sure you don't leave and make sure nobody comes over here. And I I remember sitting there thinking, dang it, why did I do that? Because I want to leave. I want to leave. And this guy's not going to let me leave. And he's not going to let nobody come over here. And sure enough, he came over and, and sat outside for about eight hours while I laid in bed, sweating it out and woke up the next morning and I looked like hell. I looked like hell and I went outside and <laughs> and I, that was the last time. That was the last time that I had to had to go through withdrawal, but he sat there and prayed for me and just told me that I could do it, gave me that support. And it was Mother's Day that Sunday. I remember my son came in the room and he he was so cute and he knew already too the pattern of being sick because mommy don't have something. So he knew I was in bed sick. 
because I didn't have what I needed. And he told me he loved me and gave me my Mother's Day gift. And and he just said, Mommy, you can do this. And I'll never forget. And he was five years old. Mommy, you can do this. You know, that was another push that I had to do it. I had to get through it. And that was that was the day that I got through it. And it was not easy. By no means was it easy. And I just took it day at a time, even minute by minute, because it's all I could do. I, if I could give it another hour, if I could stay sober for another hour, if I could stay sober for one more hour, that was a feat, you know? I've made it another hour. You know, the crazy part is two days after that day, this man that sat outside my house, me and him ended up getting married. And it was, it was, you know, one of those decisions as an addict, you make uh, impulsive decisions, but it was the one and only impulsive decision that I've ever made in my life that has made the most significant impact in my life because I needed that person that was willing to be by my side through the good and the bad and the, and in everything. And, and he has been that driving force in my life that's been able to to keep me sober, to keep me on the right path. And the crazy part is he was only a few months in his recovery as well. And only by the grace of God, I say. So since that day, we got married. I ended up going and turning myself in to finish the last thing that I had to do to, to get done with my courts. And I, I turned myself in. I had a 90-day sentence and so we've only been married a month and I'm in jail again for 90 days. And uh, the day that I get out of jail, we go and, and move into Brighton and start living with his mom and with my son. So I've, I've gained a husband, you know, and I'm taking care of his mother while she's while she's sick with cancer and working on my sobriety and being a mother again. So it was, it was a lot all at once. And then... Two weeks after I get out of jail, I find out that I'm pregnant right away, you know, or three. It was about three weeks and I, w I was pregnant and his mother died. So it was just like a whole bunch of stuff on top of each other. And we've been married now for two years and I've been sober now for two years this May. I owe a lot of it to my husband, to our faith in God that we could do it. And it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. I had a, a lapse in there. It wasn't. You know, just getting sober and that was it. It was, I had a struggle. It was a struggle to come out, to come out of it. But here we are two years later and and we've uh, got our two children. We've uh, got our home. And uh, I've gotten this wonderful opportunity with Tribe. Thanks to our cool friend Tomas here and Julia. It's been a blessing upon blessing upon blessing just to, just to get, to where I'm at today but it definitely I had to put in the legwork I had to put in in the legwork and and make the decision that my life has value I do have value I I am worth being sober and I look back to where I've come from and all that I've had to experience and it's it's just like the icing on the cake just to to see the that we can overcome we're more than just addicts I am more than just an addict I'm somebody that has something to offer now, a story to tell. And uh, I can't forget all the days that I've spent locked up and all the times that I've acted a fool in the street and 
all of the the ugly things I've done because it's my story and it's where I've come from and and makes me who I am today. The number one thing that I practice on a daily is my gratitude. What am I grateful for today? Just to remember what what I'm grateful for. It's been a journey. It has been an honest journey of self-discovery, showing what, what a person can do if they put their mind to it. What do you think is the hardest part about your recovery? Oh, man. The hardest part of recovery. Man, I, I can't even say it. it's, it's a, anything's been hard about it now. I think the, hard, the hardest part about getting to this point was finding the new joys. You know, just I think we spend so much time as addicts filling our time and our, our mind with the same routine of getting that now I have to I have to really dive into what life is apart from from addiction. What is it like being a mother again, you know, or being a mother at all, being a sister, being a, a, a daughter, being raw with with how I feel because so many years were spent being numb, you know, that now I have to deal with feelings again. I have to deal with emotions, which has probably been the hardest thing. <laughs> My husband can testify to that, that it's kind of been a, a roller coaster of emotions. Even today, it's been a, a journey with discovering again, being able to deal with feelings. Feelings are definitely, definitely the, the top one. How do you fill the time? You know, because you had a routine. I did I'm, have a routine. I'm sure you had a, what was your routine? Um, as, a, as an addict? As an addict. What oh, was man. your routine? It was waking up and making sure I had my quote unquote medicine mm-hmm. to be able to function. It was just that routine of, of finding the funds. How did you find those funds? Oh man, I was a thief. I was a thief through and through just stealing. Who'd you steal from? For, uh, from the stores, you know, uh-huh. boosting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And family, you know, I, I, I stole from family if I had to. It was, it was not pretty. Sometimes you can do that with no shame. No shame, no shame. So now it's been a like a asking for forgiveness type of deal now. Like, man, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just letting other people fall for it too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe <laughs> stealing a hundred dollars and helping them find it, helping them look for it. <laughs> oh, you had a hundred dollars. Let me let me help no you. Kidding. <laughs> let me help you find oh, that. Man, that's messed up. <laughs> that bro. is messed up though. The whole time you just the whole time and you're just like. Dang it. <laughs> Where did you leave it last? Where did you leave it? Let me check your purse for you. Did you look in every yeah. pocket? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible, right? Just mm-hmm. the life of an addict is not pretty. Yeah. Don't matter who you hurt or what you got to do to get what you need. You will do it. Yeah. So it's been a journey of like, man, just asking for forgiveness from the family. But it's also been um, another thing that I'm so grateful for is how you can earn trust back, you know, that, that feeling of, man, I can go into grandma's house and she trusts me. Um, mom will let me have her credit card and trust me that I'm buying what I'm saying I'm buying. You know, it's, it's the, the things we gain. It blows my mind daily. I'll be driving in my brand new car thinking, man, two years ago I was running the street with no job, no money, no home, my son was living with my mom and now I'm driving in my brand new car to an amazing job where I get to help other people. Um, I have my two beautiful children. I have a husband like, wow, like life can do a 180 and it can happen quick. 
you just got to make that decision to to say i'm 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 valuable i i need to stop what i'm doing because this is this is no life you know why do you think you finally made that decision because you had opportunities i did have opportunities you know I did. Think I had, about the times when you when you didn't want to make when you said, "Okay, I need to make a difference," but you didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was hurting too many people, and I think it was that little boy's face. You know, my son just mm-hmm. not having his mom, and just mommy, you can do this. Mommy, you can do this. Yeah. Just I had so many opportunities. Yeah, countless. I can't even count on both my hands and my feet how many opportunities I had to to quit and. uh I think, uh, in all honesty, it was, you know, it was my higher power. It was God. Mm -hmm. It was God saying, you know, this is, this is enough. Enough's enough. And you can do this. And I have you created for a a bigger purpose than just, than just this. But I had to go through it. So if you could uh, tell a woman that came from the same background as you, what would be that message to that woman this morning that's struggling? What would you always want to say to the masses? You know, um, you got Julia watching in right now, your <laughs> friends, you know, you got colleagues on here. What would yeah. you say to her listening to you right now struggling? What would be the best advice you could give her? You, you're valuable. You have value. You are worth something. Yeah, you have value. I remember my dad telling me that all the time growing up. You're very valuable. And I just, you know, and now I see it. It's been a lot of time when you don't think you're valuable, though. Oh, yeah. That's one of the hardest parts of addiction is that time when you're just, you're okay with being worthless. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's those ugly um, lies that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're just lies because, I mean... Even if I, uh, I guess it's something that you have to search in yourself, you know, you got to find that fal- the value in yourself because we spend so, so long just filling ourselves with lies, you know, as, as addicts, as, as whoever, you know, just a lot of people that go through depression and, and things like that, they, they believe their lies and, and it, that's all it is, is, is a lie. I mean, on my way up here, I just, I was thinking, uh, do I, do I really have a story? You know, do I, do I really have something to, to offer that, that person struggling? And, and that's another lie that, you know, we let ourselves believe that we don't, that we don't have a story, that nobody cares about our story. And, uh, yeah, of course you do. Like the last job you can get was a guy with a tattoo on his head. <laughs> so there's gotta be a story behind that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> You know, as, as people of color, like nobody ever tells our story. Right, right. You know, like yeah. we seem to be the most quiet about our addictions. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. black and brown communities, we don't talk about it. We just yeah. suffer through it. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm. it's almost like we're embarrassed. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there is a part of me that's embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really screwed up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I gave away over 20 years of my life, mm-hmm. uh, well over 20 years of my life to addiction. And it's, that's embarrassing. 
Yeah. You know, and I missed out on so much. Yes. It's why I'm not married and I don't have kids or anything because I screwed that up so bad. But we don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's stigmatized in, you know? in our community. And we get yelled at by our grandmas and our grandparents, <laughs> you know, and our moms and dads, and they'll be on our case about mm-hmm. it. But if we don't talk about it, like your best friend won't tell you, hey, you got a problem. I want you to do something about it. Yeah. They just let you keep riding. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see how long it takes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then we worry about our best friend, too, because we're like, man, you're in the same boat as me. Yep. Like, I know in the 90s, I was addicted to, to we, we were doing crack. And, like, it was a circle of five of us. Yeah. Who were together all the time. We jump in the car. We go in. We were in San Francisco. We used, we used to go um, to uh, Hunter's Point. Hunter's Point, which is by by Candlestick Park, or no longer Candlestick Park. <laughs> and man, we had the same circle every day where we would get in the car as soon as we got off of work. Normally, somebody had already picked something up and we would roll this crack in, in marijuana and smoke it. And somebody would pick it up and we would be like, all right, we're only going to do this one time. We drive down to Hunter's Point, we pick it up and we come all the way back home. We get home, we look at each other. We had this smile that we'd give each other and be like, we're going to go one more time. One more time. It's always that one more more time. time. (laughs) Suddenly we gone seven times and it's three o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. now and we don't put empty envelopes into the Wells Fargo ATM machine. And you would put an envelope in for, for, uh, you'd be like, all right, I'm going to deposit this empty envelope and say it's got $200 on it. (laughs) And then I would withdraw $120 off of this empty the envelope and man we do that a few times through the night suddenly i owe this bank eight hundred dollars in overdraws yeah and so on mm-hmm. but my point is in that my point is that i was doing it with my friends who were also in the same boat yep. they were in the same scenario and we would never say you know like we got a problem yeah we just yeah. egg each other on oh yeah and continue yep. it. and it, I, I swear it's it's like I, minds surround with like minds uh-huh. you know yeah they do they do and uh you know i have i have uh i have this new thing where i'm like who am i going to surround myself with and i've had to change my my yeah places and people and and i mean my my best friend being my sister i i can't associate with her no more because i'm still waiting for her to come out of it and i, I mean i know she will but maybe she's the one person that we were talking about at the beginning huh. of this program. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. No. She needs to know that I love her. Cause yeah. man, yeah, you know, life is all about boundaries on this, on this situation of recovery, you know, but mm-hmm. you still got to be able to navigate through life. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I can go around legal situations of ball games, bars, whatever, but I know my place before I walk in, Amen. I'm in there for chicken wings or cigars <laughs> or, friendship and fellowship with people that i know i'm not in there to go to that bar and get liquor. i always announce myself everybody knows me at the local pubs around here they know they'd better punch me in the face before they should they give me liquor (laughs) because i've established that relationship and my boundary with them and they hold my recovery just as deep as i do Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's possible on those things you know but still like how you spoke to when you got loved ones that just want to stay out the fog i got many cousins out there that i'd love to kick it with all the time but just you know drinking and talking and Smoking weed and doing a little something else on the side, yeah. you know. I don't know what everybody's talking about this world that experimenting. My family don't experiment. We just we just we just kind of do different things at different times <laughs> at different times of night. You know what I mean? It's yeah. set for certain moments in 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 the in retrospect. There ain't no sampling, right? You know what I mean? Right. But well, with that being said, I can't be around that area. I'd rather be home 
with my wife and my kids. I'd rather be sitting here with Slim with y'all. I'd rather, right. you, know, you know, it's funny when they talk about a, 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 like a 12-step meeting, right? And you're sitting there and uh, you're like, man, it's Wednesday, 7 o'clock, and I'm at a church. Like, I wouldn't even go on Sunday. I'm, on, I'm there on Wednesday, and I'm crying. I'm telling my story to some dude next to me that would not even be in my life if I was out there. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. I got, like, a lawyer, a big old huge NFL player, uh, three kids from Highlands Ranch, and a du- and a Soreno from, like, like, Echo Park or something. We're all sober <laughs> talking about things. You know what I mean? It's yeah. crazy in that way. but It is crazy. You know, it's a it's a, it's an honor to have you up here because you know, like the different communities that we have. You know, I mean, we got the big BIPOC com- uh, community that's on on the air right now, and and they need to see these stories, and they need to, they need to see that. And, and I'm not saying that just to be, you know, for equality and 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 and, and count out my fellow Caucasian brothers that are out there that also no, we work want for everybody. Me. We want everybody. Yeah, we want everybody out there. But you know, um, how we were raised in smaller Hispanic communities mm-hmm. and. We were taught to work, go to church, yep. keep your head down, suck it up, don't talk yeah. about it, and yeah. let's go. That's all we do. Like my dad used to talk about, my grandpa talking about, yeah, don't talk about anything. We got to work. It's, it's it's five in the morning. And then when you get to dinner, and be like, man, just be quiet because we got to go to sleep because we got to go to work tomorrow. Yep. You know what I mean? And in between that is, is doing what you do, and it's just that, it's really that conversation. So with, with everybody on the air today... You know, break the mold, break the cycle. My nephew just came up on here, and I'm going to say this on the last and 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 get it to you. Generational addiction can be break broken. Amen. It can. My father's got 45 years. I'm coming up on 10, and my nephew's on five. That's three generations in that house that were afflicted with 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 alcoholism and drug addiction. That's done today. Amen. You know what I mean? You can do this. You can do this, y'all. You can do this. It's just put your head down. And Humble yourself. Humble yourself exactly. and say, man, I can't do it on my own. Yes, yes. And you know, like, like, like you are a big testimony to the women that are out there. Ladies, you can get sober. You can mm-hmm. get sober with kids. You can find find treatment. There's, yes. It's possible. You are looking You can get right your now. kids back, too, you for can. those that exactly. lose their kids. For sure. You oh can yeah. Get your kids back because there's a lot of moms out there who are like, man, they took my kids. I have nothing. I have nothing going for me now. Because mm-hmm. yeah. now, yeah. now I give up. Yeah. Because yeah. they took my kids. Yeah. Even yep. males, you can get kid, your kids back too. I mean, sh- oh yeah. My wife's a saint. I'm, I'm raising her kids right now, <laughs> and I sound kind of ingenious. <laughs> but if she'd have met me before, we we're talking about that earlier, man. Sh- <laughs> Yeah, Keisha would have ran for the hills on that one. You know what I mean? But I love those kids, and I get an opportunity to be a father because I remember sitting in the cell cell uh, and almost dying from, from an overdose and being in some, some situations that I thought I was going to get life sentences, and wow. I never thought in my life that I'd be able to lay in a bed with a wife, with kids, with my mother back, with my mother-in-law, I got all. I'm blessed to have parents on both sides of this. I got family members all the way through, all over the city now. So it was thick before. Now I got Park Hill, Green Valley Ranch, Montbello. You know what I mean? It used to be the East Side, West Side, and, and Aurora, but now I'm I'm all the way around, baby, with all that. Awesome. You know what I mean? And it's and it's great to to have that in my life. You know the achievements that you get. You mm-hmm. know the, the friendship with Slim here, man. How awesome, right? Yeah, man. Like like all these radio people in in in, the, in Max Media here, I grew up there with my heroes. You know what I mean? Slim, I've been listening to for years and years and years. You know, <laughs> Tony V, 
been making me crack up in the mornings when I was acting like everybody was driving to work for a job. I was just trying to find my beer and, and my <laughs> and whatever I was going to do that day. But I felt like I was going to work listening to him and Kathy J. You know I mean? Background noise. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, um, I don't know. I just, you've been a really amazing guest and I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate you picking tribe to come help people. We'll stay out your way. Just keep your heart in it. Keep, yeah. keep your soul in it. Cause you community navigators that are out here are really, really important. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. the community needs like-minded individuals like yourself yep. to really, to really put it down. Yep. I mean, it helps me with my sobriety to help others too. So, you know, the, main, to be here. the main reason why I, I started talking about, my sobriety was I needed to be held accountable. Yeah. Because as long as I wasn't telling anybody, man, I could go on and on and yeah. on and just keep doing it because, man, what you don't know, you don't know. Right. You know? Right. And if I don't tell nobody, you don't know. Right. So now, now. Transparency I'm, is key. I'm drunk <laughs> everywhere you see, everywhere you saw me. Man, if you've met me between 2001 and 2016, mile high, I was drunk. <laughs> I, was, so. I was drunk or on something else. <laughs> yeah. But I was messed up no matter what. You might have been like, man, he was so cool. He just talked to me and treated me with so much respect. <laughs> Yeah, I was wasted. What's your name? Just why? You heard me on the radio. I was a mess. I was a mess. So, I mean, you know, that's why I think it's so important to talk about it Mm -hmm. is because that was the first way to hold myself accountable. Yep. You know, and and that's why I was saying earlier, you know, like we don't talk about it in our community. We keep it to ourselves. you know, but when you can start to talk about it, you can start to hold yourself accountable. And I think that's that's one of the ways to start your your journey to your recovery is to be able to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. that you know how to have a problem. Yeah. And, and I need to do something about it. So I asked you about, you know, what your routine was like when you were in your active addiction. Uh, what's your sobriety date? Um, May 8th. May 8th. Coming May, up here, yep, May eighth, two years, and that'll be two years on May eighth. Yep, it sure will be. So, what is your routine like now to continue? Because it's still it, two years is not a long time. It's really not. It's no. not. It's 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 a time. It's an it's an amount to clap for and be proud mm-hmm. of. And, and man, yeah. I salute you. Yep. It's like because every single day counts. It does. But at the same time, you can still remember everything. Like mm-hmm. for me, six it's been over six years now, and some of it's a blur. Sometimes I gotta retell it to myself to be like, Oh wow, I was a mess. You no, know, right. Like I, even I'm, even coming up and doing this, I was just like forgetting so much of the like, you know. Yeah, you start the to check because yeah. now you got your stuff together. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Now you're like, man, that wasn't me. I'm like, dang, maybe I should have done a recap on my way here yeah, or something. What, what did I used to do? <laughs> what was my but, life like? But two years isn't that long, so mm-hmm. I know that now you have to have a routine. I do. That I have change to keep yourself on the path that you're on. Mm-hmm. So, what's that routine like for you now? Um, I, I find myself very involved with my church. Um, uh, I make sure that I. I am open um, with my, my community of, of church leaders and, and friends. So your and church knows what you've been through. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My church, I mean, like I told you, I was going to church lit uh, for about six months. And the pastor, the head pa- the pastor knew, and he, he was he was like, I'm going to save this girl. Like, you know, it was just like a, a constant thing where I'd be in church nodding out, and, and he'd pick on me in the middle of everybody, like... You know, just, and so now I just make sure that I, I continue with that transparency. And it's good to find a, you know, it doesn't have to be church. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be church, but just find that community that's, uh, that you're able to be vulnerable with and uh, transparent with because, uh, 
like I said, it hasn't been a, an easy two years no. um, at all. There's been times where I've woken up angry or, or whatever and just have that fleeting thought of, you know, I could just go out and use today, but I have to remember everything that I can lose. And it's a lot. Playing it's, that tape through, playing that tape through. And spirituality, spirituality is a big part of that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hers, him, they be politically correct here and <laughs> not make anybody mad because I'm, right. I'm good at doing that. But yeah, with mm. that, you know, um, we talk about it tribe and we talk about it in recovery. Um, religion is for individuals trying to find heaven and that's great. Mm-hmm. And that's your path and you find community on it. Spirituality is for people that have been through hell trying to find peace. Amen. And some of us just stay in that and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And you can find that and maybe it's not God that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a universe. Maybe, yeah. you know, they talk about in the rooms as a doorknob. I really couldn't pray to it because I went to jail a lot and it never opened. So with that being said, that really wasn't going to be my God. I'm not a person of like crystals and chakras because rocks got me in this problem. <laughs> you know, so. I never thought I of it that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. So I'm not going to pray to the rocks anymore. Right. But, you know, <laughs> with that being said, you know, uh, like my father, he's got 45 years. He's a Knights of Columbus guy. How awesome. You know, and uh, and that's that community connection there you know i'm a prince all mason proud and i get my my uh my spiritual connection with my brothers there and i'm also a 12 stepper so the journey really keeps on going and it really surprises you yep. you know can i ask a question yeah um what does the future hold for you what what is what is those dreams that don't cost money what what are your dreams and aspirations of of for uh recovery family even career if you want to put that if you're not if you're not there yet you know it's it's okay but uh what is what does it look like right now when when you got when you're sitting right next to your husband and you're sitting there with your kids and you're feeling like you're in the pocket and you're thinking about the future? What does that look like? Um, man, reaching that 10, 10 year, fifteen year, twenty year, you know, just yeah. I just that that gets me excited. That gets me pumped, honestly. Just yeah. those years under me, and uh, I mean, landing in tribe. I like I've told Julia a couple times already like I want to learn everything I can about tribe and yeah. and just the the amount of satisfaction I get just from being at work and 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 talking to one person that's like me you know starting from ground zero yeah. and uh just to just one person at a time you know just being a mother one day at a time and raising my children being a grandma eventually you know just yeah, those are those dreams. You know, you know yeah. that, that's that cool stuff right there that, that that you get there. Like like what you're talking about, I got my five and I was yearning for my 10. This year's going to be my 10 in May. Uh, no fronts. You know, I'm going to get there. I'm like one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a but, time. But, you know, still, like I remember when I got my five, I was like, I'm still not uh, that close to Jesus. <laughs> and then I get into my 10. I'm like, hey, man, I still need some work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know what, what what I mean by that, but I'm a whole lot better than I was. But, you know, some things slip and you got to really work on them. But mm-hmm. that's recovery. That's what's great about recovery. It's always discovery. Yep. It's always, you know, if I you like listen to Slim getting the radio station back when he when he when he put down marijuana yeah. when he really got himself when he really got his head clear and those types of things when you when you look at like the last guest last week Taj you know what i mean he 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 was afflicted by a drug addiction around him and mm-hmm. didn't even take it wow yeah you know what i mean but he was in the culture he was in mm-hmm. that situation in that mindset of people with mental health and everything like that and it still got him yep you know um 
There's a lot of people like you know. Have you have you noticed like some people that are normies and they they, they grew up with people that just smoke <laughs> marijuana and they got a whole bunch of marijuana tendencies and you're like, yo, mm-hmm. man, yeah. come on, dog. You know what I mean? But it's you know it, it you don't have to take the drug to get there. Yeah, you know, and, yep. and it's it's really about that community connection and figuring how we can make a, a better day, a better, a brighter day. So, yep. you know, um, yeah, I'm really excited. But you know, like like what I was asking you is when you when you finally found yourself, what is that gem that's going to make you feel that you made it? You know, it's it's those it's those re, re, sobriety dates is being maybe it's being the grandma. You know what I yeah, mean? But yeah. before you even knew what marriage looked like, what was that thing? If you could say something to somebody that's gone, if you could say that, hey, that person, you can look in the eye and say, hey, I achieved this. What would that be? You know what I mean? Because you on here, this is forever. Yeah. You're on the radio forever. Oh, dang it. As far as the FCC is involved right now, you are in a file. Was this a permanent fed. thing that I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> Can we scratch that? <laughs> what is the thing that, that, I don't know, ask it again? How did what you is ask? that thing that, that's always deep inside you? What is that, what is that special thing? Because I know when I, was in, when I was laying in that hospital bed and then I was laying into that detox I just told God this. I was like, "Hey, just don't take my passion. Yeah. Don't pay, take my passion to be to be clean. Don't take my passion to to live. For anything that you do, I'm a mess up. Just keep my passion and let me see life that I've never seen before." Yeah. You know, and those things where I get that is is you know like getting my license back, getting a rental car, and mm. I'd be in Florida, working all over Florida, seeing 36 yeah. states, doing interventions, you know, being on that beach, being married on that beach with with a woman that was totally out of my league, you know what I mean, and be able to afford it because I told her, hey, yo, just pick a place, and she picked San Diego, and I was like, oh, man, I might have to start selling dope again. She picked a but place. you know what I mean? <laughs> but I didn't, you know what I mean? And I got there, you know, those those types of things, yeah. and that's where I'm going with that. What is that? Th- those things that we can do um, sober that we can never do yeah, yeah hi what are those dreams that you got what what is that goal that you want to reach um just just remain sober be a faithful and and good wife be a good mother you know like you said not monetary things i have i you know money's cool and and things are cool but they they're short-lived you know yeah just to continue being able to reach out to people and and uh reach one person i mean that's my goal is just just to reach one person, save one person, help one person save themselves. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So you still have an um, active addiction happening in your family right now. I do. I do. And what would you say to those, that member of your family? I'm here for you. I, I've, I've never turned my back on you. And uh, I love you with all my heart. And I, I believe in you. Yeah. I believe in you. I believe in your ability to change your life. If I can do it, you can do it. Like literally, if I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Cause no, I didn't think I could do it. Nobody, nobody really thought I could do it. And here I am. You mentioned earlier, you know, stealing from family and so on. And you're like, man, yeah. you know, I could be, it's crazy. You can be forgiven. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you see that coming? Did I see that coming? Did you see that your family saying, you know what? We still love you. Because, I mean, you even said at one point, your family's like, we're done with you. Yeah. We're done. You out. Yeah. Go go be go be homeless. Yeah. Um, so that's when you tend to think like, man, my family hates me. Yeah. So, I mean, did you did you ever 
picture that, you know, forgiveness could happen, that they could just love you again? I, I think I, I did. Yeah, I think I did. I, I think uh, deep down inside, I, I I just knew I had to work for it. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to work for it. Um, like I said, it was, you know, answered prayers. They prayed for so long that my, my grandma, she just passed away um, the 6th of January. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Yeah, she... Uh, good Christian woman, man. And she prayed, Mm -hmm. she prayed for years. I mean, she even put me in a chokehold one time when I was all (laughs) smashed. That woman, she, she, she threw me out, man. She, with one arm, just, you're not going to act like that in my house. And she had, um, heart problems, you know, uh, heavy set lady diabetes. And I was overdosing in her basement one time and she ran down there and, Gave me mouth to mouth, brought me back to life, and uh, and prayed. She prayed. She prayed and prayed and prayed. And then, so two years ago when I got sober and, and met my husband, and man, I, it was the best two years with her. For her to know that. It's nice to have them yeah. see it, right? For Yeah. And for her to see me sober the last two years of her life. And I know she died content, not just because I was sober, but answered prayers yeah that that's it that's what i was talking about because that's that gem i remember telling myself in that bed that my mom and dad are gonna pass away knowing that i'm clean and so yeah mm-hmm. it's such a good feeling right yeah that's 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 all i that we're I gonna be okay I'm, yeah, yeah if i'm working at mcdonald's if i don't even have a job but i'm by yeah. that bed i'm not in prison mm-hmm. and i'm and i'm clean i'm clean so that those worries that we give our parents just I got sober in September of 2016, and my mother got sick from her addiction in November of 2016, Wow! and she passed away in January of 2017, and I think that that was the number one thing more than anything else, and there's, you know, there's work to be put in into my sobriety, but the number one thing was the fact that my mother saw me sober, Mm. and I'm like, I can't ever change that. She got the one thing she really wanted from me yeah. more than anything was to see me sober. And so there's there's no turning back. There's, man, mm. that I, I can't screw that up. Right. Hell no. Not going to happen. For all the times that she called me and she was like, you're drunk again, aren't you? Yeah. You, I remember I told her one day, I was like, mom, I'm, I'm on a good pace to pay off my house by the time I'm 62. And I was like, "That's what, I'll be paid off. And so I can actually think, I was like, I'll probably never get to actually retire, but it'll be easier <laughs> at 62 when it's paid off. And she said, you're not going to live to be 62. Mm. That's something I'll never forget. Because she was like, you're going to be drunk. You're going to die from alcoholism and you're not going to live to be 62. So I remember being so proud to go see my mom when I was sober and I bought nice clothes and everything. I was like, mom, I spent all my money now on clothes. Right. You know, look at me. Mama was probably. And I know she was, she was so proud, Oh. you know, and so. That's that jam. Yeah. That's what, that's what it, that's what it's all about. It is, you know. The look on our loved one's faces. Definitely, you know, you know, like I talk about in my story how I was estranged from my mom for years. You know, learning to be family, you know, getting married, you know, I'm still not good at a lot of it, but I'm still learning on family, <laughs> marriage, relationships, being there. You know, I got PTSD, I got ADHD, I'm manic, I got a lot of things. I only sleep like three, four hours a day, and, you know, <laughs> I thought that was a superpower until my until my, my therapist said, no, yo, that's a, 
that's manic. You're, oh, it's you're, not. You're not. You're not okay. I did the same thing. But yeah, you know. But at the same time, you know, those are those gems that we have. You know, that you can actually walk through that door. Because I mean, I got like there's little things like with with with, with Slim. I got this picture that I keep in my phone is way down in there, but I got a picture <laughs> that like I remember remember when I was talking about Kingdom, like yeah. my big brother. He yeah. told me I couldn't mess with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. He said, Hey, don't come around when you're messing up and I finally got him back in my life. And Slim was always one of my heroes from the radio station and then he showed up. It was like a day before my birthday. And I got a picture with both of them right there. He's sober. His kingdom's on the other side, man. I kept that in my in my phone because I have these like keepsakes. Mm-hmm. in my phone that I look at when I know that, you know, I tell my son this, I say, hey, he's, he's living in his world right now. He's 19. I told him, you got to do three things that are good a month so you mm-hmm. can battle back whatever you say about yourself. Do something for yourself, for community, and somebody, for somebody else. And if you can stack just three things a month, by the end of that year, you ain't going to be able to talk that much crap about yourself. <laughs> you ain't gonna be able to talk anything because you just did you just did yeah. that many things. You just did what? That's thirty six great things you did. Yep. And twelve of those was for yourself. The other was for you know. There's twelve for another person. And you know what I mean. And, and then just being a good person, being humanity. You know. Now I'm stacking. And I have some bad ones, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm gonna battle somebody. I'm like, yo, I got like ten trucks back here that I'm doing just today, yo. <laughs> like, what's up? Like, we ain't even like tell me that I'm what. Right. Yeah, I know I'm not the best. I'm not perfect. But this is what recovery taught me. Yep. This room right here, talking to these people on the air this morning, man, we listening. Somebody's listening to us right now that we're helping. Yeah. You know, just let that person know that person. If you listening to me, we love you, man. You're Amen. worth it. You're worth it. Get up off that couch. Dump that liquor out. Yes. Put that pipe down. Put that syringe down. Put that anger down. Get rid of that gun. It's not worth it. That ain't going to be easy, but you can do it. You got value. Mahai, we are running out of time this morning. Um, Our guest this morning has been Mariana from Loveland, born and raised in Loveland. And we want to thank her for being our guest today on Sharing Our Stories. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you both. And sharing. Hey. And and putting some, some strength, hope, you know, out there for the folks. Because, you know, that's that's all we want to do is if we can just reach one person and let them know, hey, you're suffering, we've suffered, and we believe that you can find your pathway to your recovery. And if that pathway starts with a phone call to uh, find you a meeting, or maybe it just starts with you sitting down and, and looking at yourself or going to church, whatever that pathway is, I hope you find it. If you if you're if you're looking for some help, if you if you want to reach out and find some help, you can call Tomas and, and the crew at Tribe Recovery Homes. Their number is 720-60-TRIBE. That's 720-608-7423. You could call that number right now. Somebody will pick it up for you. Um, TribeRecoveryHomes.com if you want to go and learn about them. And if they can't help you, if they're like, man, we're not the place for you. If you're like, man, I don't think you guys are the place for me. They're going to talk to you and find out what is the place for you so that somebody can help you and you can start that that journey to your recovery. And if you have a family member and you're like, hey, I want, I want to help you, you can you can show them this program or you just can talk to them and ask them. And like I said, we don't speak up in our community. We don't tell each other, hey, you know what? I think you need some help and I want to be that person to help you do that. Do that because we just don't. We just let the we, we turn our backs on each other real easy turn our backs and we say man you got this you on your own 
you know, and sometimes, sometimes you got to do tough love and yeah, that's, that's a different thing. Tough love is different from when you just turn your back on somebody and you're like, I ain't care. All right. But I do know we all do care. So Mahai, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for listening to our program. We'll be back next Sunday and we will do it all once again, because if we can help one person each week, then we are succeeding in life. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless. Once again, Mariana, thank you so much. Thanks again. Thanks, Evgen. All right. Big hugs and love to you, hey. girl. Tomas, thank you for the work at Tribe Recovery Homes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. And Malhai, join us right here each Sunday for sharing our stories. Have a blessed morning. Happy Sunday to you.